I don't know, there's something really powerful about taking a risk of putting yourself out there and not overthink it. Welcome to The One Up Project. Money is fuel that that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught but should have been, at the end of the day, the most important person is yourself. And if you're not happy with your own choices, then you're never going to be happy. Kia ora everyone and welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. I am here today to talk to you about career, leadership, moving on from a job you hate, how to grow within your job, within your career, how to make that an intentional journey, as well as analyzing my own kind of career journey so far, moving from accounting to marketing, how I did that, why certain things didn't align with me and how I worked out how they could align with me. And to help me with that conversation, I am so, so lucky to be joined by Shelley Johnson, who wears many hats. One is an HR and leadership consultant at her company, Boldside Consulting. Their mission is to help build epic leaders and teams that help you succeed at yours. And I am very passionate about good, effective leadership, what that means and how we can achieve it. And that is a lot of what today's conversation revolves around. Of course, I couldn't help but mention my favorite, Simon Sinek. And we go into depth about all sorts of different concepts that you can take with you to not only find the value in yourself, but find the value in others as a leader as well. Another hat is podcast host at My Millennial Career. As some of you may know, I have started hosting stories over on My Millennial Money, an extremely successful Australian finance podcast. Another hat she has worn in the My Millennial family is author. Author of one of my favorite career books. To be fair, it's one of the only ones I've ever read, but I've got to say it is the most practical workbook I've ever kind of experienced in regards to building a career that is meaningful to you and working out how you can do that. The book is called Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money, co-authored by Shelley Johnson and Glenn James, host of My Millennial Money. As you guys know, my passion is to get purpose-led, impact-focused leaders in their own right in this space on this podcast to talk about what they care about and to help us achieve the same things. Shelley is a shining example of a curious, excitable and passionate leader and I'm excited to share her learnings with all of you today. I'll leave links to books and websites and everything you need in order to learn more and see more of Shelley below. Otherwise, I'm looking forward to hearing what you think of this episode over on Instagram at The One Up Project and we will catch up very soon. Shelley, thank you so much for jumping on an episode of the One Up Project podcast. I'm more than excited to hear your perspective today. I know that a lot of value is going to be shared in this episode and people are going to get so much out of it. I wanted to start by talking about your business, The Bold Side. I read that leadership is a key focus for you and I think something that you would consider really vital uh, to the functioning of teams, the happiness of teams. How do you define like who a leader is? Yeah, there's this great quote by John Maxwell and he says leadership is influence. And I think that's a really simple way to frame it, that 
it's not a title. It's not a place on the career ladder or the org chart that people who lead simply influence other people. And so you can do that wherever you are within the organization. If you are new and you're a new grad, you can influence people. If you are a person in project management, but you don't have any people that report to you, you're still influencing people. So I see leadership purely as simple as that, that it's a matter of influence. Now, influence can be good or bad. So some people influence people in helpful ways, others not so much. But the essence of that to me of how do I move people towards a common goal, that is where the magic happens. Absolutely agree. Are you familiar with the work of Simon Sinek? Yes. (laughs) I'm obsessed with Simon Sinek and like Start With Why is my favorite book. And so anytime I have a conversation with someone about leadership, I'm like, right, can we have the conversation about Simon Sinek or can we not? (laughs) So good. You know, and the thing that I love about Simon Sinek's work is his perspective on optimism to me is a really crucial part of being a good leader. And I don't know your listeners well, though, um, let's connect after the podcast. But for me, like, I'll be really honest, I'm a bit of a cynic. And it's so funny that Simon Sinek's name is Simon Sinek and he's like a total optimist. (laughs) I, by nature, like, and I I talked about this in in our book, Sort Your Career Out, quite a lot because I I will look for the worst case scenarios in anything. Like I'm like really risk averse. So I'll be like, what is the worst possible thing that could happen? And how do I avoid that at all costs? And Mm -hmm. how do I not take any risks? And how do I just manage? And you know what? It's it's kind of a terrible way to live in some some senses. But one of the things I love about Simon Sinek's work is how do you activate optimism and have more joy and happiness in your life? And so for me as someone who naturally is more probably half empty than half full. Mm. I've had to work hard on gratitude, on finding those moments of optimism. And I think great leaders do that. The great leaders see the potential in people. And I think that is such a strength of an optimist. Like if you want to grow as a leader, if you want to step into and eventually land a leadership role, if you can activate your optimism as a skill, because I think it's more of a skill than a natural trait or behavior. If you Mm. activate that, you're going to be far better at developing great people. You're going to be far better at seeing opportunities and finding solutions to complex work problems. So for me, that has been a big learning and reflection of how do I move from my natural state, which is glass half empty or look for all the problems and sometimes wallow in them. (laughs) towards yeah how do I have these moments of joy and optimism how do I look for the potential and so yeah that's a side note but I think it's something that Simon Sinek does really well and it's so good on his podcast to listen to him talk about that Mm, absolutely agree I think it's such an interesting point you know you say how do I see the potential and it sounds like you would have to become a lot more naturally curious about your own thinking and the way you process information. How have you now tried to see the potential in people using optimism? Yeah, I've been working on some stuff at the moment around how leaders are potential finders. So how do you become a potential finder? And to do that, you really need to know the strengths of the people that you work with. And so for us to find out people's strengths, 
we have to get to know them beyond the job that they do. So I think there's levels of relationship that we have with the people that we lead and the people that we work with. And whether you're in a leadership role or not, you can apply this and it's going to help you in your career. So just take a moment and listen to this because it's going to be helpful. I want you to think about, do you know the strengths of each person that you work with? What are the things that they do? What are their superpowers? So Annabelle, who's on my team, who I've worked with for a long time uh, over different jobs, um, she is, her superpower is execution. Like She can get stuff done better than anyone I know. And so when it comes to problems that we're facing in our business, if there's a problem around how do we get this thing done, I will defer to her and go, okay, you're about a thousand times better at this than me. Like I, if there's an execution problem, I'm going to, I'm going to break everything, but you're going to find a way to get through that. So understanding her strengths is the first step in this problem of finding potential. The next thing is understanding what are the areas that energize that person? Because sometimes you might be energized by something or interested in something that it might not be a strength just yet, but it could become a strength. So for me, one of the things that I'm energized by is cooking. I love cooking. Am I good at it? Sometimes, but sometimes I'm not. I'm not a chef. Like I haven't spent all this time, but I think there's potential there because I'm energized by it. Like if I could put on like jazz music, have a glass of wine and be cooking something for hours, like I would find that therapeutic. And so for, for you as a, as a leader or a team member, I want you to look at, do I know, first thing, what are the team members' strengths? What are the three things that they're super good at? Next thing, what are the things that energize them? And they might be left field things like me with cooking or maybe – someone on your team is energized by public speaking or maybe someone on your team is energized by creating cohesion in that team. So it might be that they can build harmony within a team, whatever that is. We need to figure those things out. And between the strengths and what energizes someone, in the middle of that, in the intersection of that is where the potential lies. And that is when if you can uncover those things about the people that you work with and you can help them step into their potential and build skills, seriously, you will stand out from every other person in that business because the best performers on a team aren't just thinking about themselves. They're thinking about how do I help and unlock the potential in others. That is what I think makes a standout career. That is what is going to set you apart from everyone else and that's what's going to set you up to lead well. Yeah, there's so much value in looking externally and taking a step outside your own mind every now and then because when we look at our own careers or our own skills and strengths, often it's very much negatively viewed. Like, okay, I'm terrible at this and this person's amazing and maybe you come at it with a comparison lens rather than a potential lens. And so I love like the focus on finding potential in other people and how that could actually possibly help you find potential in yourself as well because you're able to then ask yourself the same questions but also look at it from a view that isn't about comparison but more about 
yeah, finding what's great in other people. I love that so much because so often you hear people talking about, oh, I don't know my strengths, like I'm not good at anything. I feel like I've had this conversation with so many people in my life, like close friends where they're like, I want to get a new job, but the problem is I have no skills. And I just think, what exactly do you mean? Like you you have so many skills and it's so hard for us to identify those skills within ourselves often. Do you think that there's value in using this approach to also reflect internally about your own strengths and skills as well? Or how would you go about that? Oh, this is so good. Like you are so bang on. We talk, There's a whole chapter in, the, um, in our book, Sort Your Career Out on strengths and skills, because you're right. We're so bad at this. Like we're so bad at like, we will list the 156 things we're terrible at. And if someone mm-hmm. says, what are your top three strengths? It's crickets. Absolutely. Silence. We can't, I don't know, but I could tell you 157 things I'm terrible at. But, and so I want, I want you to become, if you're listening right now, I want you to become a strengths finder for yourself because Mm. if we, and it's not egocentric to, to know your strengths. It's not, it's confidence and confidence is different to arrogance. I think people need to know that. Like, Confidence is not the same thing as being arrogant or having an inflated sense of self. I think the people who have really strong humility can list off their strengths in a way that is helpful. Like they can say, oh, yeah, I'm good at this. And then these are the things that I'm working on or these are the things that I'm not good at. And they're not overly attached to it. They don't get their identity from those things. So, Sarah, I kind of think for each person listening, if they were to take one thing away from this podcast, it would be spend more time on your strengths than on addressing your weaknesses. Because there's a lot of research from Gallup who uh, created this tool called Strengths Finder, which is essentially helping people to uncover their top five strengths, the things that are their like superpowers or their zone of genius. And The reason that tool has done so well is firstly, because most people don't know their strengths. And secondly, because when you use your strengths at work, your performance increases dramatically. So let's say Mm -hmm. you, uh, let's think about a professional athlete for a sec. So let's say um, I'm in, I'm in New South Wales in Australia. So our sport that most people uh, would follow and has just wrapped up last weekend was Uh, rugby league so the NRL grand final happened and one of the sports players sports players athletes I don't know like (laughs) this is me my husband is a football fanatic I am like just watch you know for fun anyway Nathan Cleary the halfback of Penrith Panthers who won the grand final he is a total pro when it comes to keeping calm in tough situations so it was like an impossible win he ended up coming back to win by by two points was bloody brilliant the thing is if you took Nathan Cleary an amazing halfback and professional footballer and put him on a netball team they're different completely different strengths so it's like Mm. how do you know and uncover your strengths and make sure that your job that you're doing aligns to those strengths Mm. but for so many people they don't know okay firstly what are the things that I'm really good at and then how do I use them in my job and do I actually get to use them in my job And so the reason why Nathan Cleary is so good is because he 
He's playing in a position that capitalizes on his strengths. And so Gallup, what they did going back to to their research is they found that if you play in a position that leverages your strengths, you are going to have much higher performance than if you work in a role that doesn't capitalize on your strengths. So what I want people to do is find out, okay, well, what are your top five strengths? And the way that you can do that is you can go onto Gallup's website, G-A-L-L-U-P, and do the survey, cost 35 bucks, or you can get a free version, which is called VIA or VIA, V-I-A survey, and they'll tell you your top five strengths. Now, once you look and uncover those, then you need to start to think, okay, how am I using them? And am I even using them? in my day-to-day work mm. because a lot of the time, Sarah, when people are miserable at work, it's when they are in a job that doesn't align with their strengths. When people are on a performance improvement plan, when people are underperforming, mm. it's when they're working in an area that is totally out of alignment with their strengths. It's not that they aren't effective or good at things. It's that they're in the wrong role. Mm. And unless you do the deep work to assess this stuff, and figure it out. You can't, you're not going to know. I'm smiling because I'm thinking about my first graduate role out of university. So I studied accounting and I went into an accounting role and I had actually done the Gallup Strengths Binder. That was the first sort of personal development tool situation I'd ever used. And I remember you know, I was quite surprised by the results. My top strength was positivity. And so I didn't really know what that was or how to use it. And I I don't know if I analyzed it in the way um, that would have helped me figure out why I was having so much trouble in my first university, uh, post-university role in accounting. But I remember thinking to myself, as I was working in this role and really not liking it, and I got to the nine-month mark and I decided, I have to leave. I'm going to go insane if I stay here any longer. But looking back, it's so clear that that job wasn't utilizing my strengths at all. And I think I felt so, all I told myself was that I'm bad at this. I can't do it. I'm really bad at this job. Like I just, I suck. Like that was sort of the the Mm. um, messaging to myself because I couldn't pinpoint exactly what you're saying, which is, I just was in the wrong role for who I was. And that can be a difficult situation to be in because it really rocks your confidence. Yeah, totally rocks your confidence. You're you're bang on. Can I just ask, Sarah, What do you Hmm. remember what your other strengths were? So positivity was number one. Do you remember any of the others off the top of your head? Oh, I could honestly pull it up. It was, I feel like woo was in there. So that's um, winning others over is what woo stands yes. for, just for anyone listening going, what is woo? <laughs> yes, yes, that's what woo is. Um, oh, God, can I try and find it? I'd yeah, love please. to just like figure please it out. Please do. I would love because... to. I'm obsessed with this stuff. So my top – so woo must have been in my top ten, but my top five strengths are one, positivity, two, futuristic, three, relater, four, includer, and five, adaptability. And I always remember looking at this and thinking like, okay, it's pretty much all blue and I have no like strategic or analytical, like all the red ones, which are all the, what I just mentioned, like strategic, analytical, things like that. They were all at the very bottom. (laughs) So, yeah. So 
positivity, futuristic, includer. What was the next one? Uh, positivity, futuristic, includer. Three was relater. And then the fifth one was adaptability. Okay, so this is good. This is validating my hypothesis, uh, which I like to, um, I do like to be right. So (laughs) I think if we, so if I had sat down with you in the early part of your accounting career, so you're new grad, you do the strengths finder and we look at the role, we look at the role on paper as an accountant and I'm going to make a few assumptions and any accountants listening, I apologize because, um, you know. I've already offended too many accountants on here before, so don't worry. Yeah. (laughs) HR always offends accountants. So I've got to say, I've just, that's been my career. I just offend accountants every day. Um, (laughs) Our business primarily works with financial services. So it's just ironic because now, now I'm dealing with accountants nonstop. So the thing with accountants, the the day-to-day role is super analytical, data-driven. It's it's really it's so interesting. It's past-focused. So everything mm-hmm. in accounting is looking back and using the data to then forecast stuff for the future, but it's 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 about the past. Whereas your strengths futuristic would have killed you in accounting as a strength because you're like how do we make this thing streamlined how do we automate all the stuff oh what's happening over here with ai how do we make this better and accountants are like no no follow the process just do the yeah. process and sorry again i'm offending the accountants you can <laughs> message me if you're a future if you're a futuristic person you're doing making waves in in the accounting world please tell me uh, i think the thing as well so that futuristic part would have rubbed up against that role in the wrong way the other thing that would have been challenging is how many relational strengths you have. So positivity is a relational strength. Includer is a relational strength. Adaptability is a relational strength, I believe, and relater. So those things, if you think about that and your primary strengths are all in relationship building, accounting as a role is not driven around relationship building. It's driven around numbers and data. Whereas if you were to work in HR, that's very people focused and all about relationship building, you might've found that better alignment because it aligns with your strengths on a fundamental level Mm. or what you've kind of moved into, which is marketing, which is all about people, relationships, understanding the consumer, understanding customer insights, what makes a person tick, why do they buy? And so knowing your strengths and then looking at a role on paper, it's all the light bulbs go off. So the reason why you're probably miserable in accounting is because a lot of your strengths relate to people and you wouldn't have got to use that in the way that serves you best and showcases the things that you're super good at. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, especially in those early stages and I think any person in like a corporate career might be able to relate to this where when you're a junior, you start off in that more, what are you doing? You're sort of doing the the grunt work, if I can say that. Where you're not doing as much of the strategic um, work with people thinking about the future. And I remember thinking like, oh, if I just work here for three or four years, I'll get to do more of that work. And because my view at that point was so tunnel vision because I didn't have an understanding of what was actually available to me from a career point of view. I didn't think, well, there's actually a role out there where I could be doing that now. 
um, I just sort of thought, well, maybe there is, but I know for sure I can't stay here. So I left. So I think I was lucky in the sense that um, I had the privilege of being able to leave and take that risk without worrying. But I would have been able to make a much more informed decision about my career had I of had I have actually understood myself enough to know why it didn't work and then from there take a risk. It, it's, it does also allow you, knowing that about yourself, allow you to be, I, I think for that confidence to bounce back. You know how you talked about mm. the confidence stuff. When you know, oh, it's not actually that I've failed at that. It's just that, you know what, I don't really want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. I don't need to beat myself up about that. Yes, that's so true. You know, it's I've, I've realized that in recent years in a different way, like going traveling, I felt like I had to do traveling in a certain way because that was like the traveling way you do it. But then it just like clicked one day where I thought, okay, I don't actually – want to do it this way so why am I doing it like that and I think you can apply that sort of general lesson to so many things in life where it's actually okay to just not want to do it like that or not want to do the thing you can choose something else but I don't know what it is the influences around you or the expectations that you feel are on you stop you from seeing that and you're almost limited by your own perspective Mm. The other thing that I think limits us is that sunk cost fallacy. So Mm -hmm. that idea that we've invested, like if you've done it, how long was your accounting degree? Four years, three years? Three years. And I spent nine months in the industry. Nine months. (laughs) Yeah. So if you were there, you're doing it four years. How much, how much does it cost you to do an accounting degree ballpark? Probably like 30 grand. Okay. So huge amounts of time, huge amounts of money. Mm. And then you're like, oh, okay, I don't like this, which of course mm. you wouldn't know when you start. That's why so many people have huge hex decks for things that they've never, I don't know what the New Zealand equivalent of the help debt is, but they have the yeah, student debt student debt for things that they never really worked in because you know you don't know as a 19-year-old kid how it's going to pan out in reality. And mm. I think we're going to have so much more of that dynamic of people switching up careers and we just need to be okay with it in ourselves to go hey that's not a failure that's a learning and it was an expensive one (laughs) but absolutely uh, but but can I just ask so on that because the sunk cost thing is that we've invested heaps so we need to stick it out Mm. and I just want to know what did you learn from opting out and going and choosing something else what was the big learning for you Sarah in it Mm, that's a great question. I think for me, the learning the learning that I may not have understood at the time, but that has served me so well moving forward is that taking risks is so important and it is it's just important to take risks, small risks, big risks. It's important to listen to what you think your gut is telling you and to do it despite the fear because when I was in that job you know there was so many people around me who had been in it for double the amount of time I had triple you know quadruple um, years and years and years and they still weren't happy and 
when I decided to leave, it sparked so many of these conversations around like, oh, well, I felt similar to you in the past, but I haven't wanted to leave because, you know, this is such a stable career. There's so much security. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't do this, things like that. And so applying my experience with their perspective made me understand that you need to take risks in order to progress and find out what you truly want. You have to take risks. A good career is always centered around good risk taking. Mm. Like I think we, and I say that as like seriously such a risk averse person, like starting my business, I had so much anxiety around starting my business and I took like a around a four month ish career break Mm. and like no income it was was like a big thing to do it's a pretty I know I acknowledge the privileged position I was in to be able to even do that I remember that risk and it's just funny because it's a risk to do nothing and stay where you are and in some cases Mm. I think that's the biggest risk people take Mm. so when you're weighing up if you're in a position right now that you can relate to Sarah's story and you're like I think I'm in the wrong career and I feel stuck but I'm terrified to do something else or I've sunk too much cost into this I've spent too much money too much time and I feel like it's a waste to leave let me tell you right now you are making and taking a huge risk staying because the risk is that nothing changes, you're completely miserable, your performance drops, your impact drops, and you have to spend a huge amount of time at work. Mm. Like you have to spend so much time at work, so you might as well bloody enjoy it. And if you're miserable and you're like, this doesn't align to my strengths, this is not giving me any energy, then you need to take a good risk because right now staying where you are in an environment that doesn't align with your strengths and doesn't align with things that energize you, in my opinion, that is a bigger risk to take. Mm. What would you say to the person who does feel that way, but they are thinking, well, I don't know what I would move on to next. So do I just pick anything and take the risk or how do I make a calculated decision? Yeah, totally. Good. And such a good question to ask. And this is the, this is the tough thing, right? So it's easy for me to sit here and say, take a risk, but then you're like, but wait, what risk? <laughs> like, I have no idea what I want to do. Um, <laughs> so yeah, totally feel that. In the, firstly, first step one, get the book, sort your career out, because we go, one of the biggest chapters and my favorite chapter is on risk. And we go through in detail how to make these calculated decisions when you need to make a career change so how do you weigh it up it's kind of like a workbook more than a book it's like a it's like Mm. a a big textbook (laughs) but what we help you with is to kind of weigh up what's your next move and there's a couple of things that you need it's kind of like an equation so we need to know what are your values what matters to you so your values are like the things that are non-negotiable so for me autonomy and growth are values. I have to be in a role where I have total autonomy and I have to be growing. And so when I think about, I moved from internal HR where I was working as a HR manager, running a HR team to running my own HR business. When I made that career move, 
I looked back at my values and I thought, well, will this give me more autonomy? Yes, because I get to make all the calls running my own business. Will this help me grow? 100% because I have no idea how to run a business. <laughs> I've never done it before. So tick, tick. I've ticked the values thing off. The next thing is, well, what are my strengths? Then I look at my strengths and go, cool, how does this role running my own business align with that? Well, one of my strengths is that I'm strategic and I'm a good communicator. Okay, cool. Well, I'll do that in my new business, 100 tick, tick. So we tick those two things off first. Your values are met. Your strengths are being met in the new in the new opportunity. So you need to weigh each opportunity that you're looking at or each thing that might spark your interest against your values, step one, then your strengths, step two. And then step three is, well, okay, how do I get in there? (laughs) If I've got this desire, if you're listening right now and you want to make a move like Sarah from accounting to marketing, for example, big change, right? Big career change. How do you do it? And I'm going to ask you in a sec, Sarah, how you did it. But first, this is what I would do. I would be starting to look on LinkedIn at anyone who works in a marketing role that's of interest to you and see what have they done in their career? What's their career story? What does their journey look like? How did they get to become a marketing manager? So they might have started out as a marketing assistant. Then they might have moved into social media. Then they might have moved up into digital marketing specialist, whatever that is, look at people's career stories, do some research. Then what I want you to do is ask some people for a job preview. So you know how, you know how you go to the movies and you see the previews at the beginning of the movie. So I want you to think about your career change in this way. You need to get previews into different jobs that might be of interest You want to have as much insight as you can before you take the plunge. So before you kind of just go, oh, cool, I'm moving from um, accounting to physiotherapy, I might actually go and talk to someone who runs a physiotherapy business and see if that type of job on a day-to-day basis appeals to me. So I'd be asking them, what's the good, bad and ugly of this job? Mm. What does a day in the life look like? Could I come and work here and volunteer? Like, and I know people say heaps of stuff about volunteering and you should get paid for every single hour that you do. And I honestly think if you want to make a career change, you need to be prepared to do and put in time to figure out what's right for you. Mm. And that might be time that you have to invest volunteering. So if you don't like that, that's fine, but that's my opinion (laughs) and I'm standing by it. So Think about those options of get a job preview, get insight into as many things that pique your interest. Tia Angelos, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her from Smart Women's Society. No. She's amazing. I love her. She has this cool thing that she does. She's come on our podcast, My Millennial Career, before. And she tells people, go into a bookstore, like a physical bookstore, and walk around and see what things interest you. So what do you gravitate Mm. towards? So for me, I love love psychology. I love understanding the way people, human behavior works. So I kind of gravitate towards books written about that. So I love anything by Adam Grant because he's an organizational psychologist and he writes amazing stuff. But for you, go into a bookstore, do what Tia says, go into a bookstore and see what, what you're interested in. 
like see what left field stuff comes up that you're like, I love learning about that because usually there's something in there that speaks to an area that energizes you or it speaks to a strength and that might be pointing you in the direction of where the next thing is for you. If you're, mm. if you find yourself gravitating towards entrepreneurship or small business stuff, you might be the type of person who needs to start a small business. But what's your, tell me about your story, how you made that plunge in from accounting to marketing. Well, first of all, I just want to say that Shelley is a living representation of what the book is and that is practical, applicable steps and really such an amazing guide. I've got the book in front of me right now because I wanted to make sure I'm getting the title right when I refer to it, sort your career out and make more money. And I've read it and I can attest to the fact that it is such an incredible book, really practical. And you're right, it is a workbook. And I think what it is, is something that you can write in initially your thoughts and you can come back to over time, reflect, review. Is this still applicable? Is this still aligned with what I want and how I feel? And with each career move, kind of see the progression of how things change and why they change based on different experiences. So I love um, so much those tips. I've written them all out. I also think the bookstore example of how, you know, finding out what interests you is so unique. I've never heard that before, but I, I could tell you straight away pretty much what I gravitate towards when I go into a bookstore and what pulls my attention up. I, I do love reading, but you could do that with so many things. Like what gravitates your interest just walking into anywhere? Because I think that knowing that shows you what sparks a little bit of joy, a little bit of curiosity within who you are um, and can actually provide so much clarity. So, yeah, I think can that's I great. Just, what, what sparked, what, what would you gravitate towards in the bookstore? Um, well, at the moment, it's kind of changed because I've been reading a lot of books on, which is so funny because it is like completely different to my uh, strength of futuristic, but I've been reading lots of books about the history of humankind and trying to like read about how, but I suppose here's the lens on it, reading about how that impacts the way we are now and how things will then develop into the future, like how that shows a pattern of human behavior and how we'll continue to grow in that same way over time um yeah and how we'll continue to grow so that's sort of what I've been gravitating towards but I it's always personal development and how to be like a better version of yourself and encourage others to do the same and serve others and help others to do the same which I guess aligns exactly to like what this podcast is and the core values that that sit there so yeah a big range at the moment a big range and I mean I I guess going back to your story, like so what what happened? Like when did you, you, you left your accounting job? Mm. What was the next thing? Like how did you figure out marketing's my next move? Or was it even, did you have a few steps between? Well, the funny thing about my story is that the only reason I did accounting at all was because I received a scholarship in high school that um, with a big four finance firm and they – basically required you through the contract of the scholarship to major in either accounting, finance, information systems, or economics. And I wanted to major in marketing, um, which I couldn't do since I'd now accepted and signed on the dotted line. So, you know, uh, reflections and hindsight. So I ended up choosing accounting because I thought it would be the most practical option. Uh, 
and then once I finished, I had the opportunity to go into an accounting job. So with security and stability in mind, that's what I went and did. And then I quickly realized, no, this isn't for me. This isn't what I want. And also I value, I think even at that point, I valued taking the risk and uncertainty over the security of a job that was guaranteed in many ways and safe, so to speak. So I chose to leave with nothing lined up ahead of me. I really decided to just take the plunge. So I didn't have anything lined up, but I did have a network, I suppose, of things I could go back to temporarily, like old jobs, contract work, just like helping businesses out with all sorts of admin tasks just to get me through to a point where I understood what I wanted. So I really wanted to take some time to reflect and review how I felt about my career and what I wanted and find out what my values actually are. So that's what I did. And I ended up doing a whole bunch of stuff just to make some money. In the meantime, I went back to an old reception job and I actually had quite a few offers in that time. I hadn't applied for any roles, but the podcast had started to grow and people had seen what I'd been doing and were interested in that. Um, and I guess wanted to see, wanted to give me an opportunity uh, within their business. So I had a few offers in that time, but none of them felt right. And I thought to myself, I haven't just, because at the time I thought I'd given up this huge opportunity. I haven't given up this huge opportunity in accounting to just pick anything you know, I've decided it doesn't align with me. So if the next thing I pick really needs to hit every mark and tick every box. So it took about three months until I had someone else reach out to me and they'd seen a post. I did this big post about leaving my corporate job and it got a bit of um, attention on LinkedIn. And this CEO of this company had seen it and he reached out to me and offered me this role and it offered me everything I didn't have in that accounting role, which was complete flexibility, autonomy over how my role grew, um, so much growth opportunity in an area that I really wanted to be in, which was marketing in an evolving space online, um, working within social media. And so it had ticked all the boxes. And I also had the flexibility to still continue to work on the podcast, which was huge for me and still is. I always design my job moves and career around making sure I can spend as much time on this podcast as possible and yeah when I I guess moved through the process of getting that job um, I thought no this is right and it felt right in my gut and so I took it and yeah that was the next job I did after that. I love that and I, you know what I, I love hearing when people land jobs out of posting something on LinkedIn. Like I'm just obsessed mm. with that because I think so many people overthink this stuff and they go into their own heads and they're like, oh, I'm embarrassed to put myself out there. I don't want to mm -hmm. like kind of do that. I, I'm nervous to like say where I'm at and ask ask if anyone knows of any opportunities or whatever. And when I hear, I've heard so many stories in the last couple of weeks of people who've just done that. They've posted something on LinkedIn and they land their next gig within like three days. Yeah. And like, cool opportunities come along and I, I I don't know there's something really powerful about taking a risk of putting yourself out there and I know it's vulnerable we were talking before the podcast recorded about the vulnerability of showing up online and like doing that can I just ask on your LinkedIn post 
Mm. Were you nervous to write it? Did you feel nervous to kind of say I've left my corporate job and put that out there? Do you know what? It's funny because I don't remember being as nervous as I probably should have been. I almost think at that point I was a little bit ignorant to the kind of impact that could have. And I did a whole podcast episode about it too and why I was leaving. And I just, I completely had no understanding of the type of impact that, yeah, that would have or what that meant. Because to me it was leaving a seemingly good opportunity. But I I didn't really realize how heavy that weighed on a lot of people's shoulders in terms of getting a good opportunity straight out of uni and then deciding to keep going with it even if they didn't like it. So for me to kind of decide the opposite and decide I was going to leave because I didn't like it instead of keep this good opportunity, that ended up resonating with so many more people than I could have imagined. So I I don't think I actually realized the gravity of what I was writing at the time And so then that reflected in less fear than what I should have had. But now I think about that as almost inspiration and motivation for myself to continue to, as you say, be bold because it can lead to so many incredible opportunities. And not overthink it. Yes, yeah, Not let your overthinking or overanalyzing stuff stop you because it sounds like you were just like, I'm just going to do this and, and look at the result of that. Maybe mm. that's how you landed your gig. You get the CEO messaging you about this really cool opportunity that you would never have otherwise had if, you, or, or maybe, but it would have come through a different channel or maybe wouldn't have come as quickly had you not put yourself out there. And, you know, I, I just think that's a really good reminder to be gutsy, to show up online, show up on LinkedIn. And sometimes it's about art, like asking as well and then, Mm. I keep banging on about the book, but the book is really helpful no. <laughs> about yeah. asking for help. Like, and, and mm. I know, I don't know exactly what that post was, but the post of a friend of mine who, who did this the other day and landed, landed a job within three days, she was asked, just, just saying, hey, if you know of any opportunities, this is what I'm interested in, this is my kind of experience, hit me up, DM me. Three days later, has a new job. Mm. I just think like unless you're going to – unless – she did that she would still be sitting in that space of having to apply online having to kind of go through all those processes instead she just fast-tracked that whole whole process and landed her next gig and it's an epic opportunity so I just love it I love that I love your approach Mm, I think if there's any message that we could finish this episode with today it is to be authentically bold and there are probably many people listening who have something that they want to do but there's a bit of fear holding them back at the moment and I think that this episode has come to you at the right time and we will subconsciously be holding you accountable to being bold and making those moves towards um, a more exciting role um, and yeah more exciting progression in your career. Thank you so much Shelley for joining me on this episode I really appreciate your time you have helped me out so much and through the book and through this episode and I cannot wait to keep following your journey and learning from you so thank you so much thanks so much Sarah it's been great to hang out thank you so much for listening to this episode of the one up project if you want to find more stuff just like this check out our other apps or follow us at the one up project on instagram or tiktok see you there